0: So, welcome to the Micro Kickstarter 101. Uh, this is a long time coming. Uh, real quick about me: um, I am Zach Applewhite. I'm a professional marketer. I currently am a search engine optimization strategist, uh, but I also have a very long background in digital marketing. Marketing in general, I myself have launched, fulfilled, and uh, successfully funded 21 Kickstarters, all micro. Uh, In total, getting to $10,000, all of them together, and about 1,000 backers, many of them repeat. I've also managed to grow a social media following, but I'll be honest that most of them, I don't uh, even leverage most of my micro Kickstarters are built off the back of a very niche community and that are then um, just connecting with people on the platform itself and slowly gaining a little bit here and there, uh, just through natural word of mouth and a little bit of social media. Uh, I wanna talk mostly about why we're here, all right? Um, So let me go back to the first slide. Why I wanted to create this, okay, is that I have seen so many great projects from so many creative people can fail okay that they put themselves at like a ten thousand dollars all right let's say you wanted to launch a book or you wanted to do a print set of uh, maps for a ttrpg okay that five thousand ten thousand they give this exorbitant goal because that's what they think they're supposed to do because it's go big or go home right and they want to think big and so they then create these great rewards. They put all this work into making the material and maybe it raises like $3,000. But because it was short of that five dollars to $10,000, it doesn't get any of the money at all and the product doesn't get made. And it's often said that uh, 90% of first-time ventures, first-time businesses fail, okay? But what people don't tell you is that people who try again success rate. Okay. So, but what happens is that they will experience failure. They will have raised $3,000 and that should be considered a success, but they will have experienced it as a failure and they won't try again, even though they would have had a higher chance of success that second time. And in reality, what I have seen over and over again is that you don't need five to $10,000. You need one to $500. Okay. And so, Part of the reason I'm doing this is because I've seen too many projects get killed because they didn't see, they didn't have a mindset of micro and they overshot something when they could have gotten it the first try. And then because that there's this failure looming over them, they don't try again, even though they had something great and it could have been successful. So we're going to get more into some of the micro, but that's one of the core reasons that I wanted to express to you of why I created the strategy. I also created it because this is something that I have pieced together bit by bit over time because I myself was building most of these Kickstarters while I was a full-time college student working 50 hours a week at two jobs, bringing kids into the world, trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good father. I could not do a huge campaign. I could not risk that kind of thing. I needed to build little bit by little bit. I needed to squeeze it in little bit by little bit. And then I would be able to build up to something bigger. And now I'm able to get there. Now that I'm at that point where I can now get $1,000 and feel very comfortably, I can shoot for something with a $1,000 goal. I have my first kids in school. My second kid's going to be in school soon. I have one full-time job. I'm out of college, but I'm standing on something that was already built that I can continue to build on because I went micro and I did something that was continually manageable and I learned things along the way. With that. Let's get into it. Today, we're going to start by talking about what a micro Kickstarter is and how it can help you, how to run a successful campaign, some tips and tricks, and then we're going to have time for the live Q&A. All right. So a little bit about Kickstarter. Uh, For those of you who are not familiar, it is a crowdfunding platform. Crowdfunding is real people looking to support real people. There is no angel investors. There's no Silicon Valley. It is people like you and me backing people like you and me. Okay. It is an all or nothing platform. This is what I talked about earlier. You can raise $3,000, but if you had a $5,000 goal and you hit the end of that term, which is usually 30 days, you get nothing. I mean, no one gets any of their money taken away because Kickstarter expects you to say what you need to make the product. And so if you overestimate what you need, and you, you don't reach that, you don't get anything because Kickstarter assumes if you say you need $5,000 and you get $4,000, you don't have enough to make the product. You don't have enough to deliver. Okay. Uh, it is for business, not charity. They're very strict about that rules. There's lots of other crowdfunding platforms that do charity uh, that are worth looking into. There's no equity. You cannot sell a portion of a business. You cannot have investors. They are buying a product or service. All right. Um, Also, Kickstarter does not guarantee projects um, or investigate creators' ability to complete their project. They have continually made it easier to hold uh, creators accountable, but there is a layer that backers are taking, uh, that they understand that they might not get what they're paying for. I've seen this, especially in the tech sector, is that there? I think there's a much higher chance. Luckily, in the sectors that I'm in, uh, publishing and gaming, that's been less of a case, but it's important that we all know it going in. All right. A little bit of Kickstarter lingo, because we're going to be talking a lot about this. And I want to make sure we're all clear. A backer is an individual who's giving money and support or in exchange for what you want to create. They are doing that through a pledge, which is the amount of money that the uh, backer is promising to you in exchange for that. And the reward is what they are getting in exchange. It is the product or uh, service that you promised the backer. Stretch goals are, let's say you said $1,000. And then after that $1,000, you want to keep people motivated. You want to improve your product in some way or your service in some way. And so you create stretch goals and say, hey, guys, I love that we're here at 1000 If we can get to 1500 we can do this extra cool thing. We can make wooden coins, metal coins. We can make the book an audio book. You know, we can uh, make something cardboard into wooden something like that. And that's what a stretch goal is. It's an additional goal that unlocks a new improvement on core items that most of the people are backing. Okay. So what is a micro Kickstarter? It's defined by me. Okay. Because so far, no one is really using this terminology, though micro Kickstarters, I'm not the only one using the strategy. It is a generally low attainable funding goal, usually between 100 and $500. And it should be considered a piece of a larger strategy, my strategy being to eventually build up to something that can be a sustainable form of income or at least a really nice secondary piece of income. All right. It is about testing uh, a few things that the Kickstarter strategy allows you to do. One, it allows you to test the market. In my first Kickstarter, I wanted to know, could I get paid to write poetry? I was delivering pizza for Papa John's, and it was really boring. And so I started writing poetry as I was driving and delivering pizza. I would write little haikus, type them on my phone, and then I would go deliver uh, the pizza to the door, get back out. And I would just be doing that all day. And I wanted to know, would people even pay me? Kickstarter at a micro level allowed me to do that. I launched a $1 campaign, pay me a dollar, I'll write you a poem kind of thing. This allowed me to grow an audience, all right, that I was able to build on. If each project, I was able to refine my process, do better on product. I figured out, oh, hey, maybe I can uh, make it about their dogs. Maybe I can make it about a picture, all right? And I was able to get better with each project. All right, I've made mistakes along the way. The great thing about a micro Kickstarter is that small uh, stakes are on the line. It's a $1 campaign for my very first one. It's $100 funding goals for most of these ones. And if I make a mistake, I'm not making it on a grand scale. I'm making it on a small scale and then I don't have to make that mistake again. And I don't have to make this mistake on a grand scale that I might not be able to cover up, okay? Um, and by cover up, I don't mean sweep under the floor. I mean, take care of All right. It's laying the bricks for something bigger because you want these to be a cascading effect. You want it to be a domino effect. You want to continue to build as you go. This is a a quick graphic to kind of help explain why it's cyclical like that. Why you want to continue to learn, test the market, learn from mistakes, refine process, product marketing, grow your audience and then keep laying your bricks by testing the market, and so on, and so on. Micro Kickstarters are a very cyclical strategy so that you can continue to build gradually, all right? Micro Kickstarter offers a lot of less of certain things. It's less risk for you and your time, all right? By only having your bar set at a 100 to 500 goal and only limiting yourself to products that are good for that, you're not promising people a huge piece of technology you're promising them something like a poem like some maps like a short story all right it's very attainable for you it's less risk and it's something that you can accomplish while you're doing all the other commitments you have in life, it is less financial risk because in general, micro kickstarters are meant to not need a whole bunch of money up front. It takes effort, it takes time, but not a whole lot of money. It's also easily easier social. I've heard a lot of people talk about how uncomfortable it is spouting out to their friends and family about this like ten thousand dollar goal, and if they don't hit it, they feel all this social shame. All right. By setting your goal a little lower, you make it a lot more attainable. And if you're worried about social shame, you can say, oh, it's just this fun thing I'm doing on the side. I really enjoy it. And look, it's successful. You know, it's a little bit easier on your mind and that gives you energy to put towards your projects instead of worrying about social pressures. All right. For the backers, it's also less risk. It's less risk for them financially because there's more likelihood of fulfillment. You're not promising them, again, a big new piece of technology that has to be has pieces sourced from all over the world and needs to have all these components. And it's not that it's something simple that they can understand. And as you continue to fulfill successfully, you're going to gain a lot of backer respect and you're going to gain loyalty. And that means less and less risk for them. Like I said before, it's less emotional turmoil. You don't have your life on the line. You don't have, this is the thing I want to replace my job next year. It's not that. It's something that you can build progressively and it's not going, it's going to, it's supposed to make life better for you. It's not supposed to make life more stressful, okay? And as I said, less risk of future mistakes because you're going to continue to learn and continue to get better but micros also more, it's more practical learning. I can tell you as a business major with a focus on marketing, I learned more from launching my first 10 micro Kickstarters than I ever did from most of my marketing classes. It allows you to test the product's viability and market interest. I learned that there was a certain amount of market interest in poetry, but that there was a big cap on it. And so I switched over into TTRPGs where I've been having a lot of fun. And now we're going to be switching over into published fiction where we're having a lot of fun. And we're able to do that and do it with confidence because we've been testing as we go. As we've been going, we've been learning what works and what doesn't. We know where to print. We know how to deliver, but we were able to start on a small scale and work up pricing gives you low cost means low stakes for you and your backers like I said I generally uh, it's a micro kickstarter which also means generally micro rewards uh, PDFs uh, that are only $10 is a very easy to fulfill and it's a low stakes uh, pricing um, marketing talking about yourself and your product you learn how to do this over and over and you get more comfortable with it because it is one of those things it's never comfortable to talk about yourself but With practice, it becomes easier. You also learn fulfillment, understanding the process and the issues you hadn't anticipated. I made mistakes. I still make mistakes, Okay, but I very rarely make the same mistake twice. And especially with how crazy shipping is, with how uh, uh, closed off certain sectors of the world have become, it's been harder for a lot of the bigger projects to do fulfillment. But when you've learned on a micro scale, learned what works for you, it becomes a lot easier, all right? It's also more audience to leverage in the future. Multiple micro Kickstarters get you a 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, 70, 80. It builds up slowly. Rather than trying to manage a community of thousands of people, you're starting in batches that are progressively getting bigger and you learn how to do more, all right? Micro Kickstarters also allow for testing. I'm gonna expand on this a little bit. All right. You learn how you can produce and ship your product reliably. All right. You learn, do customers respond to the product and how do they respond to the product? How do they uh, interact with the product? On process sustainability, if you, you need to ask yourself when you're fulfilling a micro Kickstarter, Okay, now, if I had 10 times as many people, how would that work? Because bigger Kickstarters have to worry about that out the gate and they don't realize that there are easier avenues that they could just expand on, they, they have to start in a place of big. By starting in a place of small and building on it, it becomes more sustainable. It beca- You learn a lot of the niche knowledge that you won't make mistakes on in the future. It is also building. It is building a consumer pipeline. Kickstarter allows for Kickstarter updates. Okay. And this is one of the main tools that I've used to grow the um, very engaged audience and email list that I have based on the back of solely my Kickstarters, where I update the Kickstarters to let them know about the past Kickstarter. That is a pseudo email list. Okay. Every time you update Kickstarter, they get an email about that update. And if you're talking about things that they are interested in, they have a high propensity to click through and back your next project or support your next endeavor, all right? So you tell them about your next project. You can share your website and social media. You can convert them to your email list, which I'll talk more about later, all right? It also helps build revenue. Something we've done with our TTRPGs is that each time we launch a new one, we have the old one, all right? So let's say we created an adventure for level one through five, and now we're creating an adventure for level six through 10. When we're selling that second adventure, We say, by the way, you can buy that first one as an add-on for $9, all right? What's happened there for us personally is that we started with baskets, all right? How much people were spending of an average of 10, all right? But now that people are able to discover us and buy our whole backlog as add-ons, we have all this stuff that we created over time through micro Kickstarters. Now we're seeing baskets of 30, 40, and 50 everything's gotten bigger because now we have a library that we've been able to build on, all right? You also continually, continually creating projects, all right? And by continually, I mean one or two times a year maximum, all right? But by continually staying engaged and not being disappearing for four years while you try to make a huge board game, you can build brand reputation as well as your knowledge and skills, but you're staying connected with people, which helps to have a very engaged audience. So now you understand some of the core elements of the Kickstarter strategy. And now I'm gonna tell you exactly some of the core tactics of running a successful Kickstarter strategy. So first let's talk about process, all right? You need to think very uh, clearly about how you're going to produce, all right? I prefer to have a finished project, maybe even the first couple stretch goals ready to go when I launch the Kickstarter. So for us, now we're doing TTRPGs. It is, we want to have that TTRPG 80%, if not all the way finished when we launch the Kickstarter because we know we're going to hit stretch goals and that's going to mean we have to do more production. So by getting the production out of the way as early as possible, producing as much as you can early as possible, you make fulfillment easier on you. That's an important part of process, all right? We also have opted to go almost all digital, which makes production a non-factor. All right, so for us, that's digital rewards. We haven't sold a physical TTRPG product ever. The closest we've gotten is a book of short stories based on our TTRPG setting, where we delivered a physical product, but we also have digital. And when you're selling digital and you front load that labor, it's all profit from there, okay? So it doesn't cost you anything to ship and you can sell it, like I said, Every time you launch another Kickstarter, you get to sell that digital material over and over and over again at no cost to you, all right? What physical products we have done are very easy to ship, and we produce it through Lulu. And because we're doing books, we ship at a media rate in the the United States, USPS is much more affordable than other forms of Kickstarter. So I also want to put out there that the more you can do with paper and in digital, the better it's going to be. Thinking about delivery for micro Kickstarters, I highly recommend staying in your country or continent. All right. So, for us, that's the United States and Canada. All right. And the bonus to that is that shipping, especially overseas right now, is very crazy. It requires a lot of planning and understanding for okay, well, what kind of packaging do you need? What kind of stamps do you need? It's going to cost $20 for them to receive something they only paid $15 for. I highly recommend that as you're learning, start in your own country, okay? And don't be afraid to go the extra mile. We've packaged things up really nicely in a nice paper round, uh, brown packaging with a really cool stamp on it. And that's a way of building brand. And because you're focused on just your country, you're able to go that extra mile with confidence, all right? Something else that I'm going to emphasize multiple times in this webinar is think about how you're going to stay connected don't disappear once your project has been fulfilled. Okay. Email them if they're on your email list, be active on social media, not just before your, your Kickstarter, not just during your Kickstarter, but after the Kickstarter too. All right. And be posting updates about what you're working on next. All right. Or other projects that you have down the pipeline that they're going to be interested in. All right. So that's process. All right. And again, I know i'm going a little fast here i'm trying to have a q a and you'll get all of these slides emailed to you later today or tomorrow okay now let's talk about product for micro kickstarters the best kinds of products are digital books or another kind of paper product as previously mentioned i recommend going very niche very simple i sold poems for one dollar we make D 5e materials that are homebrewed turn into something that can be played all right? Very niche. We made a book of TTRPG short stories. Let me tell you that no one was asking for a book of TTRPG short stories, but it was niche, it was simple, and it was paper, it was book, all right? And it was digital, all right? The idea is to have a minimum viable product for your minimum viable audience. I know you might have huge dreams, okay? I want you to, and I want you to accomplish those dreams, all right? But the point of the micro Kickstarter is to get you close to that dream one step at a time, not to try and take on the whole world and be this huge success all at once. It's to make sure that you test the market, you learn from it, you test your product, you learn from it, and you can improve your product later on to the best of its abilities. But that's what stretch goals are for here, okay? You might have to strip down your product into something a little more simple, okay? Maybe no hardback books, maybe only paperback, okay? Just something to keep in mind. All right, now let's talk about rewards. So for a micro gig starter, and we'll go over some case studies here. A lot of them have more than uh, one to three rewards. I often have more like three to five rewards. But for a baseline, I like to go something digital, something paper and something fancy. All right, or easy, standard uh, and fancy. Okay, so an easy entry is like one to $5. Hey, you can buy the PDF version. The standard or core is the thing that you really want people to have. Let's say it's a book here, all right? It's the paperback book. It's $15 to $20, it's signed, and this is the thing I really want you to have. And then a fancy pants version. It's signed with a special short story at the end. It's hardback, it's got a gloss cover, it's got embroidery, it's got something fancy. What the easy entry allows you to do is gain audience at a very low stakes level, okay? These are the people you may not have interacted with before and it'll them an ability to support your project, have something, but without risking uh, a, a substantial amount of money to them. The core product is there because that's what you want to sell. And by making your easy product not that much different in price from your core product, you sell a lot more core product. Example there being you could sell $10 for the digital ebook or $15 for the paperback, $5 more for a paperback. Yeah, you take the paperback. So those help work with each other. The fancy pants are for the people that. Absolutely love what you're doing. They want to support you extra. They love whatever you're creating. And even if they don't need a hardback, they don't love hardbacks, they might give you the fan, they might back the fancy pants version because one, it makes them feel good. They're the fancy pants people. And two, because it shows how much they support what you're doing. All right. So when you're building rewards, think of those three to start. When you're um, formatting the rewards, you want to be very clear and simple. You can have a little bit of fluff in the lines as you describe it, but try not to get too artsy. That's what the whole Kickstarter page is for. You could be as fluffy and artsy as you want in the Kickstarter page, but you need to be very simple and help them make, not. don't confuse them right before they want to buy from you. Or else they're going to overthink it and they might leave. You want to be very simple. Another thing that Kickstarter allows you to do is something called early birds, early birds are for those are a reward to the people who back you into your start. I recommend timed early birds whenever you do amount early birds. So that's uh, the first hundred people that back this, get this first 10 people can back at this level. And instead of paying $10, they pay $8. That makes everyone mad. Okay. Because you'll have that 11th, 12th, 14th, 20th person who were there day one, day two. All right and they lost out on a special deal because they weren't first 10 in line. And it it starts off a little sour. And for some of them, it's either going to negatively affect your brand, or they're not going to back at all. So I recommend timed early birds first 24 to 48 hours saying everyone who supports me early on, I love you all equally, and you all get a great deal. And we've done this taking $8 instead of $10 has gotten us a lot more traction in the first 24, 48 hours than just saying the first 10 people. Because now instead of making 10 people kind of happy and like snagged a deal, you're making, we've made 28 people really happy. They snagged a great deal and they're all happy for us. And it also helped us reach fulfillment a lot faster. Also FOMO, they don't want to miss out on that early bird special. They're going to be gone tomorrow, okay? This also uh galvanizes the audience you gain later to say, hey, don't miss the early bird you missed last time. Come up, come here early and save. So it's a perpetual and it builds on itself as Micro Kickstarter strategy is meant to do. I also recommend uh not charging shipping separately. Just this is a personal thing for a lot of Kickstarters, you don't have a way around this. For me, I prefer to include shipping in price because then I get to say free shipping and because you're shipping within your own country and especially if you're shipping digital products, paper media products, you can say you can feel very confident in your shipping rate and so you can calculate it very easily so you can say free shipping, all right, and that helps close a lot of deals and especially what it helps is it prevents people from saying, oh, $15, totally, wait. shipping, 20, I did not agree to that, I feel bad now, I'm overthinking things, I click out, I go away, maybe I'll come back later, they never come back later, okay? This helps seal the deal, all right? So now, we're gonna talk about pricing, the thing everyone hates to talk about, and I am a professional marketer, I hate talking about this too. It's never easy, okay? To start, it's a simple equation, you take all your costs, like shipping, packaging, supplies, production, you divide that by how much you can produce, and then you're just going to want to tack on a little bit more to help you feel comfortable and to hopefully build up some revenue that you can reinvest later. You do not account for your own time here. Another mistake I see a lot of first-time Kickstarter launchers make is that they think, oh, I'm put like 20, 40, 100 hours into this. I deserve to get paid. Of course you do. All right? But if the project fails, and so this 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 is one of the things that lead people to say like I need a ten thousand dollar, I need five thousand dollars because I spent so much time on this. But if the project fails, you don't get paid anyways. Okay, your time is you're building your audience, you're building your business, all right? And you're building a little nest egg of revenue and profit that you can continue to build on later. If you're coming into Kickstarter and your focus is on making money for yourself to support yourself in your life, then one, the micro Kickstarter is not going to do it for you. So I love you and have a great life. But two, you're big Kickstarters that you're still going to spend that time anyways, and your chance of failure are much higher. I hope, of course, that you succeed. All right. But you're going to have a hard time anyways, because even those Kickstarters that reach 50, $100,000, their expenses are so high that they don't actually end up as much as you're thinking they end up with. And it's not going to be enough to sustain you. Okay. So I want you to think about that when you're creating uh, pricing and goals is that this is a passion project. You're paying with passion and you're creating something that people are going to have and you're building something that you can build something to sustain yourself on, all right? Another thing to think about on pricing is just look at similar projects, okay? You don't want to be super expensive and you don't want to be super cheap. And understanding their pricing, we learned that we could charge $10 for something digital. Like I said, if we're not counting cost of labor, that's just $10 of pure profit all right? We could have charged $1. Thing is, people don't shop at the dollar store for everything for a reason. It's an indicator of value. You have to increase the price to a certain amount just to let them know it's not garbage, okay? Um, That's what I call low but not cheap. $10 is not cheap. It's not $1. It's not $5, but it's low. It's low enough to get people in the door. It's low enough to sell them on what we're selling. And then when they experience our product, we're good enough that they keep coming back. All right. And as I said before, everyone hates this. It's always a little tricky. And that's why micro Kickstarters are great for testing. So feel free to test pricing ideas as you run your micro Kickstarters. Okay. The goal of your pricing is to get enough profit to break even and have some left over to reinvest. And we'll talk about reinvestment in a little bit. Most people on Kickstarter aren't looking for great deals. Okay, so that's why I say like we can charge $10 when we could only charge five, but they're not looking for great deals. They're looking for great ideas, all right? And I also wanna stress that we've done $1 campaigns, we've done $5 campaigns. Those are to get people in the door to introduce us on a super low-risk level, but the point is to convert them on $10. And if we can convert you on 10, we can convert you on 20, and so on and so on. All right. But if you do it all the time, you're at risk of getting only frugal shoppers who are never going to buy those really core pieces of product from you, like your book, your board game, your whatever. OK, so be careful on going too cheap too often. OK, by pricing low, not cheap your campaign offers a low risk surprise in the light. Okay. So $8 early bird. Great. It's a good deal. It's not cheap, but it's a good deal. And they get to hop on it. It's super low risk for them. All right. Now that we have pricing a little bit talked about, let's talk about stretch goals. Just like with production, where I want to have everything ready to go at the onset, I like to have a couple of stretch goals ready to go. You should map these out and I'll get to that in a second, but. Think about it like this. For TTRPGs, we have usually a character art or a map or um, a stat block or some items art, all right? We have the first two to three stretch goals built already. The art's made, the map's made, whatever. For the because we know now that those Kickstarter, those stretch goals are going to get hit early. It's another benefit of the micro Kickstarters is that if you say, I only need $100 and the first stretch goal is $150, $125, you have a very high likelihood of hitting that. And that stretch goal needs to be there ready to be released so that you can keep that hype train going. All right. Um, if you uh, do not hit that $125, $150 goal, Row those uh those those stretch goals you built anyways. We've done that too. If we built the map and we didn't reach the stretch goal, we give them the map anyways. Why? Because it shows how much we care about our backers. Because it doesn't cost us anything to do it. Because we already have it anyways. Why wouldn't we give it to our backers? Okay? And the benefit that we get from there is better branding, a more loyal audience. We get to surprise and delight them with a map that we say, look, we know we didn't hit 150, but we love you guys. And we got so close. And we couldn't have done this without you. Here's that free map. All right? You look great. You had it anyways. All right. Go ahead and use it. So uh, try to have three to five of them planned. Again, we, you know, you want those clearly listed, usually in a graphic. Here's 150, 200, 250, so on. You want that clearly laid out so that they know what they're working toward. Okay. Simple and obtainable stuff like the maps that I've talked about. And you want to either go more product or more quality. This is a thing that I've seen hold Kickstarters back from fulfillment is they say, hey, instead of 20 wooden coins in our board game, let's do a hundred metal coins. Great. Okay. But it's harder to estimate that huge of a change of both the amount and the quality. And oftentimes you end up losing money on that stretch goal. The point of a stretch goal is that you got more money so you can do more things. Okay. I recommend saying either, like for the TTRPGs, we're going to make better art or we're gonna make more art, okay? We're either gonna make it better or we're gonna make it more. We're gonna give it more breadth, okay? For a book, that might be uh, make it better. Audiobook, make it more. Additional short story. That's the kind of thing. Do either or, don't try to do both, okay? Um, and the other thing is try to spend your time, not additional costs. The example here is an audiobook will cost you. You'll either have to hire someone or you'll need the equipment to record your audiobook but an additional short story, you're a writer. You can do that. Same thing with maps, but if you're outsourcing your art, try to get as many stat blocks for your TTRPG instead of art as a stretch goal because you want to spend as much labor as possible so that you can keep as much of that money for profit so that you can reinvest in the future. All right. Uh, Levels and frequency completely depend on the funding goal. So if you only have the hundred dollars, Basically, you can take 50% and just add on 25 to 50%. But that becomes less uh, applicable when your funding goals get higher. Because one day, hopefully, you will have a $1,000 funding goal. And maybe $1,500 is not uh, a very good stretch goal. Maybe 1250 Maybe $1,100. right? But that's where it kind of breaks down. There's no really good way of doing this. So just do what works for you and your product. There's no clear equation okay now let's talk about marketing so the first thing is that because this isn't a big project you don't need to pay for advertising at all at first later on you can do it for customer acquisition we've done this where when we run a kickstarter we will run ads and i'm okay with taking a loss or breaking even because the baskets are getting bigger because we can continue to resell them as we go. And so we understand that the lifetime customer value is greater than the $10, $20 I might lose on Facebook ads. But I didn't start doing that until I had some traction and I had some profits to work with, okay? Build your social media presence ahead of time. Content marketing is something that I, literally I'm talking at Origins Game Fair about it. It's a presentation in itself, but I'm gonna give you the quickie. Okay, it is, I recommend starting with two platforms you're comfortable with. For example, TikTok's hot right now. If you aren't on TikTok as a consumer, don't don't launch on TikTok because people say you should be there because you're not going to be great at it because it's going to feel forced and you're going to get really discouraged when it's just not happening. I thought this was supposed to be easy. It's not easy because you weren't a consumer first. Okay, so start with the platforms you're already comfortable on, at least as a consumer. That might be Reddit, that might be WordPress blogs, that might be Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Reels, or it might be TikTok, okay? But don't try to overexert yourself just because you think you should. You're going to end up making bad content, and the people on there will know, and it's going to feel like failure, it's going to discourage you, and you're not going to be able to create the kind of content that is going to get you somewhere, all right? Maximum, if you really feel like you need to really shout out, pick maybe two that you aren't already comfortable with, but you're confident you can mark. okay? Um, distribute the same content everywhere just to make things easier on you. This feels kind of like itchy because, well, what if someone's on my Facebook and then they're on my Twitter and they're seeing the same thing? Most people aren't going to follow you cross-platform, just in general, okay? I repost my TikToks onto YouTube. Almost no, I, I have yet to encounter anybody in hundreds of thousands of views, okay, who has said, Oh, I've seen this guy on TikTok. They're on that platform because that's their preferred platform, okay? Very few people are on TikTok and YouTube Shorts and Reels. They have a favorite and they're sticking to that. So if you're not there, they're not gonna find you, okay? But that also means that if you're posting the same content, they're almost definitely not gonna see it twice. So feel free to post the same content everywhere. It's okay. All right? If you can't create content, curate it. Use memes, GIFs, news videos, share things that your community uh, is concerned about because not everybody has the time to come up with a really funny meme, okay? That's okay. Share someone else's, all right? You'll become an, you you can get followers just by having interesting things on your page even if you're not the sole originator, all right? Lastly, on launch day, plug everywhere. You have nothing to lose. Don't be afraid about being embarrassed. This is practice of marketing. You have to talk about you. No one else is going to do it for you. Okay, so blast on everywhere you currently have an audience, maybe even a couple places you don't. It feels itchy, but it's the only way and it will feel less itchy as you go and you'll get better at it as you go. And eventually you will have audiences on those platforms. All right, we're starting to get to the wrap up point. I know I've talked really fast, and hopefully we're going to have a Q&A session really, really soon, so start thinking of those questions and jotting them down on the side. I want to talk about, at the end of this, you're going to rinse and repeat, okay? You're going to reinvest whatever you have left over. Maybe you run ads. Maybe you invest in better art. Maybe you invest in better tools or upgrades. At the end of your campaign, after you've delivered, you want to send out a survey. Say, how did you find us? How did you like the product? And Try to be specific. If you're writing a TTRPG, you might ask, what was your favorite part? The maps, the NPCs, the story, so on. If you're writing a book, same thing. What's your favorite part? Was it this character? Was it the storyline? Was it that it's genre? All right, be specific towards your product. Ask no more than 10 questions maximum. Try to keep it five or less. And then end with, if you want to hear about our next project, feel free to sign up for our email list and then they can sign up. As they fill out the surveys, you're A, going to learn a lot more about your product, and B, have the potential to grow an email list of people who are your most avid fans because they cared about you enough to give you feedback. It's not all gonna be positive feedback, but it's gonna be feedback, and that's very important that you listen, all right? Stay connected, don't disappear. I told you I was gonna talk about this a couple of times, all right? Number one mistake I see both in social media and in the Kickstarter updates is that people are only talking to their audiences when they have something to sell. That's, that's itchy. That's something you should avoid. Try being present in your community areas with your audience so that when you talk to them, you're it's not only asking for their money. Okay. What I recommend is an 80-20 split for every two times you talk about yourself or your product, talk about something else that they should be interested in eight times. Okay. So out of 10 times, you talk about yourself twice, talk about something not about yourself, not promo, talk about the industry, talk about their interests eight times. Okay. Uh, And then plan your next Kickstarter. All right. Use those past projects as add-ons as we've talked about. Post the Kickstarter updates to your previous projects to engage past backers and keep growing. That's the rinse and repeat. Now, real quick, I want to talk about the story all right, which is where you write out everything on your Kickstarter, here's a quick formatting guide, all right? Start with a project introduction. A lot of people make the mistake of talking about themselves first, Uh, and there's some mixed views on this. This is my view. My view is start with what's going to be interesting to them. They don't know you. They might know what your product is. They know books. They know TTRPG products. They know board games. They know card games. Start with that thing, that thing that hooked them in the first place, the title of your Kickstarter. Talk about that because the Kickstarter is likely not titled like me, Zach Applewhite does a project. No, it's the project. So talk about the project first. Start with your book, all right? Go into detail about what's included in that project so that they can understand exactly what they're getting in project details, okay? Go a little bit more. Talk about why it matters to you. Talk about exactly what they're going to have delivered, all right? Then you list out the stretch goals so that they know that you're planning to be successful and continue to be successful and that there's higher things to reach toward, that the product's only gonna get better with success, all right? Then after you've completely sold them, told you've talked to them about what they're getting, now you can sell them on you. Meet the creator. This is important to talk about you because this is oftentimes a sales point. You also, this is what gets you brand. This is what gets you repeat backers, okay? No one likes to support a logo. People like to support people. That's what Kickstarter is about, okay? So you do need to talk about yourself. Now that you've introduced them to what they're interested in, now they can start to be interested in you. Lastly, at the bottom, it's, it makes you have a risks and challenges. A quick guide to this is be honest. If this is your first time launching a Kickstarter, say, this is my first time. But because we're going micro, we feel very comfortable that we can handle anything we don't know, all right, and that we've can we worked very hard to make sure that this little thing we're doing is very well planned out. We're very confident that we can do this, all right? If there's any additional risk or challenges, like I say, be honest about them and talk about why you believe that you have assured that that risk isn't going to affect fulfillment because that's the thing at the end of the day that they care about. They want their money to be paid back with the thing that they pledged for. They want their reward, okay? This is a less uh, visually appealing but more straightforward version of exactly my suggestion of how you format your Kickstarter story, okay? So this will all be delivered to you. Real quick as we're wrapping up, I wanna reiterate on mistakes to avoid. Number one, I've made this mistake. Get your Kickstarter approved a week or two before launch that means you're going to need your financial information which is usually just credit card stuff if you're registered as an llc you'll need a little bit more but you're probably just doing this for yourself so you just need your banking account and routing number okay you're also going to need a picture of your id so that they can confirm that you're human all right so you need to do that and then they're going to take a week or two to approve your kickstarter so the thing that you need to avoid with that the mistake i've seen is ah, we told everybody we were going to launch on this day, but the Kickstarter is not approved. Don't do that. Don't be that person. Get it approved early, okay? Recommending, as I said before, try not to ship internationally until you're comfortable with shipping your product uh, locally, nationally. Um, It's going to make everything easier in the long run. Trust me, all right? Set your rewards as digital rewards. If you have a digital reward, you have to specifically set it in the reward creation as a digital reward. Okay. If you don't do this, it, Kickstarter asks your backers for their address. And that seems crunchy because I only backed you for a PDF. Why do you need to know where I live? Are you going to mail me? It creates an unnecessary amount of questions. Try to avoid this mistake. I've made this mistake. Okay. As I talked about, don't disappear. All right. Try to prioritize, uh, uh, don't prioritize tactics over strategy, prioritize strategy. This is a little note of like a lot of people are going to give you a lot of ideas of a lot of little things to do a lot of little life hacks all right don't let that distract from your overall strategy tactics are meant to fit in your strategy okay they are not meant to take it over they are not meant to say oh this changes everything it might change everything or it might actually be a completely different strategy that leads somewhere else than where you're focused on so start with strategy, and then those little tips and tracks, ask yourself how they fit in the strategy, okay? Another recommendation, uh, this has worked for some people, and I'm actually going to show you a case study, but in general, I don't recommend trying immediately to go on reoccurring sales like opening an Etsy, a Kofi, or Patreon for your product or service, okay? What I have found that this does is that it distracts you from your next project you're always plugging now now following that 80 20 rules really hard because let's say that you launched uh dice towers okay or dice bags or a 3d printed mo- miniature model now you're worried so much about selling those 3d prints on etsy and you just came off the back of the successful kickstarter and why aren't these moving and you so you start pushing and pushing that etsy You've ruined your 80-20 ratio and now you're discouraged about, What? Well, 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 what about the next Kickstarter? I recommend run a few of those Kickstarters first, build your audience first, and either be putting those on Etsy or Amazon or wherever and set it and forget it as much as possible. Worry about how you're going to continue to build your audience organically, naturally through regular projects, okay? And reinvest not in obtaining new people through putting your stuff everywhere, invest in the people you've already got. They will sell for you, but you have to reinvest in them. So reinvest in reoccurring connection, okay? That's your ultimate goal. A few tools that have been very useful for us. Google Drive, we use this for, it's basically Microsoft, it's Microsoft, but on a very light level. It also provides like uh, Dropbox, it provides file storage. I've also used this for delivery because you can set links so that people can only download and not edit. And it's just easier. Story origin is great if you're delivering some readable materials like an ebook. Canva is great, both in its free version and its professional version, which we use for creating all the images you're going to want to create for your Kickstarter. Incarnate is just if you're into map making, try incarnate. Grammarly is to help you spell check so that you don't get embarrassed when people comment about how there's a misspelling on your Kickstarter page or so that they don't see that and think less of you and back out, all right? Just a few really good tools. With that, thank you all for being here. We are now going to open the live Q&A. But actually first, while you're thinking of your questions, all right, we're going to take a look at a couple of uh, things here. So let me try and share my screen one more time while you get your questions going. All right, so I'm just gonna share my desktop. And what I wanted to show you was a few of these, all right? These are micro Kickstarters, all right? I, like I said, I'm not the only one doing this. I want you to go on Kickstarter after this or sometime in the future and look for little things, all right? This guy has 326 backers, $3,000. He only had a $100 funding goal. How does he do this? Well, August McDaniel, this isn't his first campaign. He's created a lot. He's created 24, and he's got maps, he's got miniatures, and I know that he does go on to sell many of the miniatures on an Etsy account, all right? But... He's, he is a pinnacle of the micro strategy, whether he knows it or not, because I don't know August personally. Another example, all right? Uh, $1,000 of this of this currency is only $500 in American. And this was a $1 in American tiny tome of chivalry. All right? Another micro Kickstarter that if you wanted to look, uh, they put a lot of work into this and they were able to fulfill it. They went very simple. As you see, this isn't a very long All right, they went very simple and they were able to find success. This one came out of uh, my personal Discord group, um, Tabletop Gaming uh, Business Masterminds, okay? And $600 uh, Canada was able to raise a thousand. This is their very first campaign and they've got 79 people that they can remarket to and that they can continue to build on. If you want to, you can always look at my stuff, $1 Poem Project, rocking $44, all right? And I went on to create a number of other campaigns uh, for beta games, in total 11. We started to transition into TTRPGs. We started to, instead of getting those few backers, we were able to get 50s, 60s of backers. Okay. And now I have Apple White Games, which we've been able to build on, get 130 backers on our $1 campaigns and convert them later on in the future. And now we're able to do books. All right. I wanted to show you these as an example to show you that they really are out there, that I'm not just a peddler here. And I encourage you to go on Kickstarter and start looking at this yourself. Now that you've all had time to come up with some questions, I'm going to take a look. All right. So Dan asks, in a project only shipping in one country, where would you recommend mentioning that? So folks don't read through the whole page, get excited, and then you realize when they go back uh, that it's not an option for them. This is a concern. It's a great concern, Dan. Number 1 is you could under additional details in that map I showed you before have something on shipping all right have a big banner that says shipping and you could say we're only shipping physical products in the US our digital product products are available worldwide because there's no cost in shipping we regret that we're not able to reach our worldwide fan base all right with our core products and we hope to be able to get there in the future Unfortunately, we don't have the funds to take on the risk of overseas shipping at this current time of turmoil, all right? Reword that how you want, but basically just be honest, all right? You're gonna turn a few people off automatically and that's just gonna have to happen because otherwise you're gonna overexert yourself and you're not gonna be able to deliver to them properly anyways, okay? So there's a little tidbit on how to communicate that question. Should you plan extreme cases, fun stretch goals, uh, like for a $100 campaign, but you plan for $1,000 or something or $100,000? In general, I say no. I say no more than 10x, basically. So if you have a $100 goal, maybe plan to the $1,000 goal as a fun exercise. But don't, what I find that sometimes people do there is that they set a really high ideal for themselves. They, get sad because either they don't hit it and they were really excited about it. They thought of this great version of their product that they could make and they're not getting it. And they end up feeling sad even though they were a success. So for your own mental health, just as much as practicality, um, you do it only as an exercise and understand that this would be great, okay? But your time is best spent making sure that the core stuff on the project is really well done. All right. Uh, I run a Patreon for TTRPG battle maps, as you know. I was just wondering how you would go about testing the market. I was thinking about making uh, new maps with NPC descriptions. I like that idea. But would it be better to test the waters with existing products that I have on Patreon already at a discounted rate? So with this specific uh, question, my there's a couple ways you could go. So this is a strategy question. So let's say that you are going to launch with stuff you already have. One, you could do a collection, all right, and say, hey, I understand if you don't want to support me on a monthly basis on my Patreon, if you've never done that yet, that's a lot of commitment. You can buy everything I've done for the past year, for the past six months, whatever, all in this package for one lump sum, okay? And you can tell your Patreon people to tell these people, and then... Uh, you can say to everyone who backs you that's brand new, hey, if you want more throughout the year, you can check out my Patreon, okay? Um, But in general, you're still going to have a little bit of uh, trouble growing that Patreon. That's just one way. The other way is to tell your Patreon people, hey, I'm launching something on Kickstarter. Because you're part of my Patreon, I'm telling all of you guys about the early bird. That's like, I'm only telling you guys for the first two days, you know, you, you guys who support me, you're going to get it at 20% off. Okay. This brand new thing. And, and, or you, the Patreon will get the expanded version. Whereas this one's only doing maps of castles. My Patreon people are going to get the castles, the maps, everything. Okay. So there's a couple of ways you can hit it. Uh, I would say that if I were doing it myself, I would probably try and go the new route. Okay um starting with something new so that you don't uh you don't have a risk of people say feeling like they're just getting a resale you know that that's my personal take but as i said there's multiple ways you can do that are all totally valid um what's your opinion on giving a quick start version of the project before backers even spend their money example uh demo for the ttrpg system if you can demo then do it. Okay, if you have that time if you have that capacity, I don't do stuff like that only because I have two kids and a full-time job and I have to make what I have work. But if you can do smaller stuff and uh people have different definitions of uh quick start version of quick starters, but if you wanted to do like hey, um sign up to be uh the first 100 people to play this brand new TTRPG system, it's only 7 days. It's only $10. The funding goal is $10 to $100. You could do that. I think it'd be interesting. I honestly don't know uh, exactly how it would turn out, but I think it's a valid thing to try. That's the great thing about the micro Kickstarter. It's very low risk for you to try. If you feel passionate about it and you have the capacity to do it, go for it. Okay. Um, We are coming up on our last two minutes. So if there's any other questions, Please hit them while I await any further questions. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, I will be sending you, in addition to the slides and a link to the whole webinar, I will be sending you an invite to the Tabletop Masterminds uh, Discord group. Even if you're not in the tabletop industry, that's where I put a lot of resources and a lot of updated things. For example, Kickstarter just launched that you can now have images on your rewards. I haven't experimented with that, but as I learned things, Being in the Discord group will help you know that. Recently, when the OGL, the Open Gaming License, was at risk, I talked a lot about that and how you might need to change your strategy if it went through. So joining the Discord group is a great way to stay in touch and uh, get a lot more updated strategy, as well as just hear general thoughts to help you stay on track and keep motivated. Uh, Robert asked, Uh, Do you think significant expansions, not something like five to six player expansions, something like expanded gameplay or additional themes, for example, are too ambitious as stretch goals for a micro Kickstarter? Might backers consider this incompatible with a low funding goal, draw conclusions that maybe you aren't confident in your campaign or maybe are holding back on selling a complete game? The last part would be the most concerning part. I don't think the backers actually think about it that way. So, for example, let's say that you had a fantasy TTRPG, and you wanted to say, hey, it's $100, but if we get to $500, I'll make it all sci-fi. Like if you had Pathfinder, I'll make it all Starfinder. I will make everything space-themed. All the dungeons will be spaceships, okay? I think that's cool, personally. I don't think that that undercuts uh, the confidence in your campaign if you're doing something of a conversion and theme like that. I think that that shows that you really like the community, All right. I think it's going to be a lot about how you talk about it. All right. Um, And the other part about holding back on selling a complete version of the game. Some backers are just going to be cynical and they're going to view stretch goals that way of like, oh, you don't want to sell me a complete product, yada, yada, yada. They feel more about that way when they're spending $30 to $50 on something, they want the complete product. But when they're spending $1 to $10, maximum $20 on something, they're a lot less critical and you're going to get a lot more uh, freedom to have those kind of stretch goals, all right? So I say go for that kind of thing, especially in the micro Kickstarter strategy. Thank you to everyone and all your nice words um, that you're saying. Um, Again, thank you to Snowy. They're part of the uh, Discord as well. Uh, It is 11 o'clock. It's a Saturday. I know that you all have somewhere to be. I thank you all for being here. I hope you have a great time. If you have more questions, join the Discord. Ask me questions. I will answer them often in video because that is my preferred medium and how I speak best. Okay? Thank you all and have a wonderful day.